This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's up, everybody? Big day today for CBS. Tell you about that in a second. Adam Azer and Heath coming. What's up, Heath? You ready for a big day? I know it's Tuesday as we record, but pretend it's Wednesday. Fired up, my man. Going to raise some money for St. Jude. It's going to be fantastic. Six hours of fantasy football coverage. 40 guests from around the industry. And you are going to be on the show until midnight that's fantastic yep i am on eight to midnight the show starts at six again i'll tell you more about that let me preview what's coming up today we're gonna talk about the rb dead zone and if it's actually good this year i kind of feel like it is we'll talk about that we're gonna update our position previews so uh let's say you just passed heath and jamie and jamie will be on in a little bit he's doing hq right now let's say you just passed heath and jamie on the street and you said oh hey real quick heath or jamie I got two minutes, or do you have two minutes? Can you tell me how to draft quarterbacks? And he, I would, would like for somebody to walk up to Jamie and say, "Real quick, Jamie, I've got two minutes. Tell me do everything you, you know about minutes? running back." Yeah, and we'll see. Uh, and we'll uh, just sum it up for you. But also, what has changed? We did the previews several weeks ago, and things have changed since then. Meanwhile, today is the day the 2021 Draftathon supporting St. Jude is here. Tune into the six-hour stream for nonstop fantasy advice. Even if you've already drafted, we'll have advice for you. 6 p.m. to midnight Eastern tonight. That's Wednesday, September 1st. We're going to be joined, as Heath mentioned, by, he said 40. I've got 30 in my uh, copy here. 30 industry friends. I think Heath just has more friends than I do. Uh, Michael Florio, Liz Loza, many, many more. Nando DeFino, Jake Seeley, looking forward to it. I'm going to have. I'm going to make Adam rank like me by the time he leaves the show. And we'll get you prepared for your fantasy drafts. And we're raising money for St. Jude. You can watch the entire stream on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash today, youtube.com slash today, and also the first two hours are on CBS Sports HQ. Okay, ready, Heath? Ready for the show? Oh, yeah. A few things on my mind. Number one, am I crazy or is the RB dead zone kind of sexy this season? Ben, what do you think? I mean, yes. it's pretty solid. <laughs> There's some good young options in the middle. Oh, Ben Gretsch just happened in here. Whoa, special guests out of nowhere. What's up, Ben Gretsch? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Well, Heath had no idea. Uh, I was like, that was you know, fantastic. We're gonna talk- you let out a little a little noise that, that got me laughing pretty good. <laughs> I was like, we can't talk about the RB dead zone without our old friend, Ben Gretsch. What are you up to these days, Ben? I'm just writing my sub stack. I'm, uh, you know, following all, all the stuff you guys are doing. Just did an auction with the guys, uh, trying to defend a title that, that I took down last year with, yeah, you weren't in it, but no. Chris and Heath and Jamie and Dave and the whole crew. So picked an almost an entire team of RB dead zone, of RB dead zone players. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> Yeah, so it's a two running back, two receiver, two flex league, 0.5 PPR, pretty shallow benches like most of the the CBS leagues. And so I think in that format, you know, being a little heavier on on RB and it's also the the salary cap format. So you have, you know, the the potential for more running backs on the more depth at the running back position. I I got a bunch of guys in higher rounds, I guess, but I still got DJ Moore and T Higgins and TJ Hawkinson and a couple upside Pass catchers too. Well, I was just thinking that I really don't mind 
the quote unquote dead zone, which you can define it for us here, but uh, obviously not everyone's gonna gonna pan out, and you get deeper into it, and it's worse. But I think it was I, I did a draft, I did a mock draft today, uh, Tuesday. I was on the Fantasy Pros podcast. If anybody wants to take a listen. And I had the first pick, so I guess it was the end of round four, beginning of round five. There was a run. I would have been happy with any of them. It was Miles Gaskin. No, no, no. Sorry. Miles Sanders, Mike Davis, Gus Edwards. He may have been first of that of that trio. Then I took Miles Gaskin, then Daryl Henderson, Chase Edmonds, and one other guy that I'm forgetting. DeAndre and, Swift? No, he was gone at that point. Um, Jacobs. I, you know what? I think it may have, may have been Damian Harris. Hmm. May have. I'm not sure. Jacobs was gone at that point, but I was like, you know, this isn't really so bad. I don't have a problem with this uh, with this group here. So, what do you think? What is the dead zone, and what do you think about it this year? Is it better this year than it has been in the past? So, the dead zone broadly, from the the stuff that I did at CBS in 2019, is just looking at ceiling outcomes for running backs across the various draft points in the draft. And part of the reason we're looking at ceiling is especially in PPR. I mean, this is the 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 big caveat. It's it's PPR. Basically from the beginning of the draft to the end of the draft, the average scoring for wide receivers is going to be higher than running backs at, at any point. And a big part of that is because of the running back bust rate. Now we do know running backs have these monster ceilings. They can be absolute league winner type players. You can make those picks in the first couple of rounds too because when I looked at this the first couple of rounds are where a lot of these really high ceiling running back seasons come from. We're pretty good at identifying who the top maybe 15 running backs are every year, 20 running backs. But when you get about the halfway of round three and into round four, especially, we get into this range every year where we have guys that we're projecting for a lot of volume, probably not a lot else in their profile that we like, maybe not long-term, they maybe don't look like long-term great athletes or, or, you know, great players at the position. Like Mike Davis is a really interesting one, right? Like he's a 29 year old has never really handled a huge workload. I think last year he had about 150 carries or something. And that was his career high. Um, We expect him to have a really big role in week one. The question with guys like him and historically, when you look at the dead zone, will he be a 17 week stud? And, and, And historically a lot of those guys that are pushed up into that fifth, sixth, seventh round range, basically because of projected volume going into week one, they don't actually end up maintaining that role the whole year. And if they do, they, they kind of are like floor plays. They don't have huge ceilings. And so there's this opportunity cost argument where it's, there's the receivers in those ranges that can be stars. That's where Stefan Diggs went last year. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, maybe I'm just clouding. Maybe my judgment's just clouded because I, as I say now, every show, I, I hate the wide receiver position this year because two, because all the good ones are on the same, like five NFL teams. Um, <laughs> right. well, and, but, and but, I the, but think, yeah, I guess, I guess what I'm saying, sorry, just to finish, maybe I just don't feel like I'm passing up on a lot of league winning wide receivers in that range. So I'm okay with, well, I felt that way last year that the wide receivers were better this year. I feel like I'm not passing up on the, the great wide receiver breakout possibilities maybe. And I'm okay with those running backs there, Heath. Well, it's because you, as you say, all the good wide receivers are on the same team. Right. Well, they're on all on like four teams. <laughs> right. Um, the thing is with those guys, like the most likely outcome is one or two of those guys are going to emerge from each one and eventually hit. It's just hard to guess which one for me at the wide receiver position. As far as the running back dead zone, I think there are more backs like DeAndre Swift and Miles Gaskin and Chase Edmonds. Maybe I don't know if I don't even know if Chase Edmonds fits because he feels so right. much younger than he actually is. 
Um, but younger backs who we think have pass catching roles that are in that zone. And that's not generally what you find there. Right, Ben? Right. Completely not. There's been a, a pretty significant change as this has gotten more popular. Some backs early in the, in the off season and best ball contests are getting pushed up sort of like, it's almost like the reaction to the dead zone was to draft the running backs earlier. So they weren't going in those rounds, but then you're just drafting the same player, you know, several rounds earlier, which is not necessarily smart. The way <laughs> I think about it is this, and he put it perfectly. Uh, the ones that are going in the dead zone because they they have a bunch of opportunity in front of them, but we don't necessarily like their sort of long view talent projection. That's the Mike Davises. That's the, um, you know, unfortunately Miles Sanders and David Montgomery are two guys that they're still pretty young, but, They've also both already shown us pretty solid seasons. Miles Sanders' rookie season was really good. He was a first-round pick last year. Dave Montgomery, the end of last year, was great. The fact that drafters aren't buying into them and this sort of wisdom of the crowds element of ADP typically has been a, a, a bad sign with guys like that. Um, that we've seen them play, and we're still saying, eh, you know, they have this opportunity in front of them. I'm still not that excited about it. But the flip side is the the running backs and Travis Etienne was the best example. This is so unfortunate that he got injured, but. Um, the running backs that are stuck in in the dead zone because of because we can't see the projected role, but we'd otherwise have them very high. And I was always comparing ETN to Najee Harris. He went one pick after him, very similar draft capital. He was the more explosive of the two as prospects. Some people like Harris more. Certainly, I liked ETN more. I the way I would frame it is if ETN would have went to the Steelers, he was going he would have been going in the second round too. But the only reason he was going in the fifth or whatever was because of this uncertain role in Jacksonville, and we don't. We, we sh- the, the main thing with the dead zone, that, as I see it, is like we shouldn't get too comfortable projecting running back workloads. We know there's going to be chaos. The guys like Mike Davis, who look like they have no competition, they're up in that range basically because we're projecting so much volume. That can be problematic. The guys like Etienne or now Javante Williams is the better example, who we can't project a lot of work for, but we do think in the long term could be a very good player. And he's probably being held down just because we don't really know who he is he's like the dead zone target to me. I mean, that's where the breakouts from the dead zone that have hit have been young guys like that first, second year players. Yeah. I, I like, I draft him a lot, um, but I don't think I'd take him at the four or five turn necessarily. Then again, I'm sure. not sure. I'm not sure I'd get him at the uh, six, seven turn. He's probably more of the five, six turn. So if you really want him, you might have to reach if you have an early pick. But what about, you know, what like who do you like? Do you like Gus Edwards? Do you like Miles Gaskin? Do you like Mike Davis? It doesn't sound like you're going to be drafting a lot of Mike Davis. Do you like Chase Edmonds? Uh, do you like Daryl Henderson now? Um, and it's not, I mean, we're not looking at Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and Mark Ingram from last year, right? Uh, those guys, they right. were like on their last legs. I don't know that, you know, I think it's better this year, basically. But yeah, there's, ones you, you're like? absolutely right. There's not as many old guys. I, I would say the ones that I like are, are the ones that are younger. It could be first time breakouts because, again, the, the ones that came out of the dead zone historically have been, you know, it's way back to Arian Foster's first breakout year. It was Ray Rice's second year. It was Jonathan Taylor last year was a pretty good example. He ended up in the third round late in draft season, but. Um, you know, be, was very good down the stretch, helped people win championships down the stretch, struggled in the first half of the year, certainly. Um, but you're looking at guys like that that could work into a bigger role throughout the season. So Daryl Henderson's kind of interesting. He's a, you know, he's, he is a third-year player, but he hasn't broke out yet. The the difference I would make between him and Sanders Montgomery, not even necessarily age, because I think they're both, they're all third-year players, right? But Sanders and Montgomery have already shown the ceiling in similar roles to what they're in, and they're not being bought into Typically, it's the guys that aren't being bought into because we haven't seen it yet. And so they're first-time breakouts. So, 
um, you know, you, you could say like Gus Edwards fits in that, but then that's where I would get into. I don't really like his receiving role, and and I don't know that that his ceiling is particularly high. But um, yeah, the the ones that I do like in that range would be like maybe Henderson. Edmonds is sort of interesting, but you know, not a guy that I take a ton of necessarily. I, I typically just wait till right behind the dead zone. I mean, and I'm looking at Trey Sermon. I'm looking at AJ Dillon, guys that could potentially work into some, you know, some huge opportunity if if there's some shakeups in their backfield and could be a lot better than we maybe realize now. Um, so the idea would be they would be top picks in future seasons, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we need a name for um, like a, we need a name, an award, or a running back thing moving forward after Chris Carson. Because he's always in the dead zone and always outperforms his ADP, and his ADP never goes up. Yeah, um, he, I mean he's a tough one too. Because maybe he's, that's what maybe that's what David Montgomery will be. Maybe he will be the Chris Carson. And then the other clarification I need, because I've been trying to convince people of this, and they don't buy it. If I just take David Montgomery and Chris Carson at the end of the second round, then it's okay, right? They're not in the dead zone anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Yeah. I mean, that, it's it's kind of backward logic, right? If we start taking them higher, then they're not dead zone guys anymore. But it's just a worse pick. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's a you know, I I think maybe that uh, drafters are just getting smarter, so maybe we won't fall into the same traps that we used to fall into. Um, well, I, I think what Ben would agree with is that every year is different, so we shouldn't look at past years' yeah. strategies and necessarily think the same thing is going to work out. And I'm making a joke about something that I think Ben wrote just today. Yeah. Well, I would say, that but I would say, good. I was it, like, did he read what I wrote? In previous years, <laughs> in previous years, Mike Davis would be a third round pick. Uh, I think, anyway, you know, he would be, he would have been the Alex Collins, the. Um, well, oh, Josh man. Jacobs is a great example of that. He was a one-two turn pick last year. A situation isn't that much different, and now he's going in the fifth round, sixth so round. Do you like know. him? Because Heath likes him. Heath does not like him at his ADP, which is end of the third round. But if you can get him around later, end of the fourth round. I mean, you, there's there's you formats take? you can get him in the fifth. I mean, it's crazy. Do you um, like that for Jacobs? I mean, again, it, it's a it, it feels like a floor pick. I mean, I feel like we've seen that we don't have the real ceiling there. He's not going to actually get the receiving work. And I mean, we saw Derek Henry last year. He was amazing. Ran for 2000 yards, 18 touchdowns, whatever it was, 17 TDs, I think. And he averaged 20.9 PPR points per game. Cook and Camaro were both three or four PPR points per game higher. So like, that's the truth. That's the ceiling out of this type of back. You run for 2000 yards and more than a touchdown a game. And you can't even get within three, points per game of those true dual threat types it's tricky and, and that's that that's the tricky thing because i think you can say the exact same thing for nick chubb um yep. and you could say the same you could have said the same thing for jk dobbins but that yep. but drafters had decided they were worth the earlier pick whereas jacobs was two rounds later i kind of felt like jacobs was a was a just a discount nick chubb yeah, I mean, he is. <laughs> he very much is. This is why I'm not drafting much Nick Chubb in the first couple <laughs> rounds. <laughs> or any. I have not taken him in a single league. All right, we can wrap up this discussion here, Heath. Uh, I guess question is, are you more comfortable this year than maybe last year grabbing a running back in that range and maybe pivoting, you know, not not necessarily having to get a running back and two, two people might start running back, running back, but you know what I'm saying? I don't want to say going zero RB or anything like that, but are you more comfortable with a running back in this range, and and who are some of the ones that you keep drafting? I am more comfortable with zero RP, but I am also more comfortable with backs that are in this range for sure. There are more, like, 
DeAndre Swift is one of my favorite draft values in the fourth round. So like, obviously there are some guys in that range. I think I just wrote my breakouts column and some of the major breakout candidates are now fourth round picks where I, I agree they would have been or fifth round picks where they would have been third round picks in the past. I, right. I like Gaskin quite a bit. Um, Gaskin's so, the hardest one. Me too. Yeah. I, I agree. I can't do it. And between him and Chase Edmonds, if I had to actually publish rankings, I would get, I would be like nauseous having, I would probably throw up. I'd be so nervous to, pull, I, I can't make the decision. I change every single time I draft Gaskin or Edmonds, Gaskin or Edmonds. I don't know. I think I'm just going to just. It's no, it's easy. And go Gaskin, Gaskin Edmonds. is younger. Edmonds, Edmonds, Edmonds. And one team brought in James Conner, and the other one brought in Malcolm Brown. James Conner will get hurt, as he always does. <laughs> uh, it's a two-horse race in Arizona. It's possibly three-horse race in Miami. And yeah. hey, Jamie, look who's here. Hey. Look who's here. Hey. Hey, Ben just became a running back guy. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the dead zone. All right, Gretch, give me your thoughts on the Miles dead zone. Gaskin. He lives in the dead zone now. I mean, like, what timing? Adam texts me during our draft and asks me to pop on to talk about the dead zone while I'm, while I'm, you know, in a salary cap draft with you guys, drafting every dead zone guy I can get. All right, give me your give me your thirty seconds on Miles Gaskin, and we'll move on to our next topic, Ben. I mean, it's it's basically what I was saying about Montgomery and Miles Sanders, where we, we did sort of see the ceiling in this spot, and he's still going in the, in the dead zone. They're not necessarily, you know, drafters are not necessarily buying into him. That's a risk. But then at the same time, you have the flip side where they didn't really bring in competition. Like he said, there's a little bit of like Shades of Arian Foster type thing where most guys with bad draft capital don't have the opportunity to keep the position. We saw it with James Robinson. They bring in a first rounder. Uh, they seem to kind of trust Miles Gaskin. And, and I don't think he's going to be as good as Aaron Foster long-term, but why can't a seventh-rounder just be a long-term good player at the NFL level? And so, I don't know. I mean, he, I think he could have monster upside, too. I think he's like his range is so wide. Okay. Ben, well, you can stick around for a little while if you want. Up to you, man. Sure. Jamie right. just got here. All right, we'll do, uh, we'll do the rest <laughs> you sure of you're the... You're having lunch in the middle of our, our <laughs> salary cap draft. Are you done? I did, yeah, I finished that up. <laughs> That's how I locked in J.D. McKissick. That was a great nomination. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, By so, the way, Adam. Okay, yes. If you think that Dan Schneier hates you, he loves Ben. Every player that Ben got... Ben, that's such a great vibe. Ben, that was awesome. Ben, great. It, it was. I, does he still work here? And you like got to, you know, <laughs> massage the ego a little bit. Like, what's going on there? I felt like he was actually a little bit disappointed in Ben. Like he came in with this expectation that Ben was going to draft the Ben Gretsch team. Yeah. And then he just kept kept picking running backs. And Dan's like, "What's going on?" <laughs> it was like it was like fanboy all over the place. Uh, oh, I still Dan, got DJ Moore and Lavisca Chanel. Let's be clear. That's right, you did. All right, let's go to our next thing. Uh, so this is um, related. Jamie and I were talking about this on the bonus podcast we did on uh, Mac Jones and Michael Thomas. If you're ha- if you have a late pick in a twelve team league with the trends that we might be starting to see now, it, are you kind of screwed at running back? Right, because I feel like all of the running backs that we just talked about, there's a strong chance they're off the board by the end of round five. And what I'm talking about is Gus Edwards, Daryl Henderson in some order, Miles Gaskin, Chase Edmonds, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, maybe Damian Harris at this point. Who are you left with if you're going to take a running back at the end of round five, 60th overall or 57th, 58th, 59th, 60th overall, something like that? Jamie, who who are they who realistically looking at, do you think, right now? 
I honestly think, you know, you got to know your league. Like, you know, we, we do a lot of these analyst drafts where running backs get pushed up, um, you know, especially now that Ben's all in on running backs. Uh, but they all get pushed up. And, you know, then it's just a matter of how do you pivot. But I think if you're, if you're looking at it, you know, you, you got to, I think, be comfortable. And this is where I think the modified RB or whatever, you know, people are calling it, you know, where you take one guy in the Hero. first round or two. Hero RB. Hero RB, whatever pretty, it's called. Clever. Um, yeah. You know, you take one back, run running back early and then just kind of stockpile the position, you know, after you load up at your other positions if you don't want to buy into these guys. But, um, you know, Chase Edmonds and uh, Javante Williams and Kareem Hunt and um, trying to think of the guys that are going. Daryl Henderson now. Most are. Do you think you these know, guys will be there or will not be there? They will definitely be there. They should be there. And if people are taking them too soon, then let them have them. You know, then then you should be left with a lot of good receiver value, and you should be able to just throttle your league that way. Yeah, and like CBS ADP is pretty running back heavy in the first five rounds. But if you look at our ADP right now, like Daryl Henderson's dropped 16 spots in the last week, and he's in the middle of round six. Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Javante Williams, Damian Harris may not be for long, but all after pick 60. So I think okay. the odds are one or two of those guys are there. You just might not know which one. And the danger is if you get stuck with the one or two that you don't, you don't want any part of. Okay, let's go to our next question then. And... Ben, I'll give this to you. Why do people treat two QB leagues and super flex leagues differently? Should they? In what regard do the people treat them differently? I feel like I feel like they don't go as QB heavy in super flex leagues as they do in two QB leagues. Oh. This is anecdotal. I don't have a lot of evidence, well, but I, I, I've seen this, and I've I've seen people ask. Here's questions. a theory that I made no, up. I've seen, I've seen, I think it's true. I think I feel comfortable well, I feel, saying. I, it. I guess I haven't missed anything in the last several why, months. Adam's just coming up. Why is not an Azer stat? This is an Azer theory. Yeah. What do you think? Do you, do you think people won't wear tennis shoes with blue jeans anymore? <laughs> do you think that's true? Do you think people treat them differently? I, I guess in two QP because you have to play a quarterback, then you you probably want to have three. And if there's twelve teams, there's only thirty two starters. Not everyone can have three, so maybe there's a little more pressure to you know to have one to fill out your bye weeks, or else you literally have to take a zero during your bye weeks if you only have two starting quarterbacks. And some teams, basically four teams, will have to do that in a twelve team league. So maybe there's a little more of a constraint from that perspective. There's only thirty two teams, but has has any have any of you ever played in a superflex league where you have not intended to start a quarterback in the superflex spot? No. No, no, no right. But what I'm saying is do you uh, think yeah, uh, do you think if, buys, we did, if I only have two starters, if I, if well, I, can, I mean yeah. the way Hold on. I'm not saying how it plays out, but going into the draft process. Uh, yeah, but let me, let me look let, here's the question, right? Because yeah. you should be starting a quarterback in your superflex spot. Uh if you if you did a if you just peeked in on a 12 team two QB league of random fantasy football players, and then a 12-team uh, Superflex League, do you think the quarterbacks would go as early in the Superflex League as they do in the 2QB League? Yeah. I've never really seen much difference. Yeah, I think it'd be the same. Okay, too. good. Well, it should be, right? Yeah. Okay, well, my theory is that I'd, you guys I'm are I'm glad wrong, we resolved that fine. one. Like, <laughs> right off the top of the box. Let's get that out of the way. Important before we get to the other stuff. All right, Heath, last question. I'll let you start here. How? Uh, what should commissioners do about COVID spots, IR spots, pup lists, all those things? What should you do? Exactly what you did last year. There's no reason to change it. It's not over. It's, we're still dealing with it. Maybe they, str- maybe they didn't have a good system last year. Like, give me... Well, um, what should they do? You should have uh, five minimum of five 
IR spots. Anyone on the COVID list on IR or on the PUP should be able to go on to the IR spot. And you should have waivers, first come, first serve waivers available on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, which in my opinion really just means you should run waivers Wednesday morning and then it should be first come, first serve after that. But if you want to do it in a different way, you can. Okay. And Does that so, mean our Dynasty League is going to be first come, first serve on Wednesday? Yep. yep. Let's go. Now, we did yep. something, though. We did something where I don't remember exactly how it worked, but if there was a game that was in jeopardy of being moved last year. The, the replacement players? I never did that um, because Jamie and I'm, I did not that, I'm not that energetic of a commissioner. We, yeah, we let people say, hey, <laughs> if this game – Something, right. something, then start this guy, you know. But. I don't think the NFL is going to be moving games like they were last year. I don't know that that will be as big of a concern. But Right, right. I do think, though, it's kind of a good, you know, fallback thing to have in place with the last-minute inactives of, you know, I forget what the receiver was. It was uh, – was there a three-name receiver for Jacksonville once upon a time? Yeah, Mike Sims-Walker. Mike Sims-Walker. <laughs> I knew it was Mike Walker. I forgot there was a Sims in there. He was like a last-minute scratch because he did something off the field and they didn't like him, and it just everybody was pissed off. So it was a four o'clock game, and you couldn't uh, have have a you know you couldn't replace him if your lineup's locked at, at twelve fifty-five. And so I remember ever since then, like, do we designate like a replacement option prior to the game? And we did this last year because of COVID. I I, I don't think there's a problem with that. You know, there's a rare situation where somebody gets hurt in pregame. Um, Somebody gets, you know, last minute scratch, especially deeper leagues where, you know, you may be, you know, scratching the, the uh, you know, bottom of a roster for somebody just to play. And, and, and he's, you know, an actor for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I don't mind. But it. you have to email, you have to email the whole league, right? And you have to say, this guy is on my team. He's on my bench. If this one, you know, if somebody gets, all right, you can figure that out amongst yourselves, commissioners. But right, good ideas. Good ideas. Ben, thank you very much for joining us today, man. Always good. Adam, to I got to ask you before I go, what uh, were you just drinking? Water. Why? It, wasn't it colored? Oh. It better, it better not <laughs> Wait, be. Wait, was it Heath? <laughs> then I saw take a drink or something that looked like beer. I was like, did I have Heath, what do you beer? got? That was ben, my juice. Do you know what he did with the podcast league last night? No. One invites how many how many listeners were there? There was eleven and then two two shared, so thirteen. <clears throat> yeah, that sounds right. Thirteen people to participate in this. You know how it works. No, ten. You know, yeah. a lot ten, of people ten and ten entries. and two shared. Twelve. Then he decides to give himself the first pick. No, <laughs> such a liar. And then during the draft, he's like, hey, look, I have the best team. <laughs> All, everything was a lie there. Jamie got the numbers wrong. Everything. After the first pick, look at I got the best roster. I mean, I only have a, I'm the only one who has a player. And it's it was, as, soon as, as soon as he got, uh, was it Jefferson and A.J. AJ Brown? Brown. Yep. I mean, imagine this. 14 teams, he gets McCaffrey, Jefferson, and A.J. Brown. How are the rest wow. of us competing? Wow. It was a pretty. That's, I mean, it was pretty. I'm lucky. proud of you for going receiver, receiver there, because yeah. that's the way you. I mean, that's the way you you start that. Man, and, that's and be still a good somehow when the email came out, he had like the seventh best team. <laughs> but <laughs> almost everybody in the league got an A. The CBS just loved our drafts. I got an A. JB got an A plus. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But McCaffrey, Jefferson, AJ Brown in a PPR league. That's a pretty good way to start. All right, good to hear from you, Ben. Thank you so much. Yeah, good to see you guys. See, see you, buddy. You Ben. All right. As Ben Gretsch joining us. Now I'm going to tell you about Lightstream, everybody. You ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? Did you know you could actually roll all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment at a lower fixed interest rate? 
Lightstream is absolutely great with this, and you're going to get an even better rate when I give you the URL in just a little bit, but you can lower your interest rate and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. So rates start at 5.93% APR with auto pay and excellent credit, and the rate is fixed, so it's never going to go up over the life of the loan. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and there are no fees, and you can get your money as soon as the day you apply. The whole reasoning behind Lightstream, why they're doing this, is they think that people who have great credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. So in addition to this already great rate from Lightstream, if you want a better rate, special interest rate discount, you go to lightstream.com slash FFT. That is L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash FFT. Subject to credit approval, Rates range from 5.93% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.5% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash FFT for more information. So uh, we had an email. That's a funny email. Take a quick, quick break from fantasy talk here. Email of the day is from Christopher. I was listening to the podcast with my daughter after her softball practice. It was late, so we went to Arby's to grab some something for the ride home. You guys were talking about RB5 and RB10. My daughter Quinn said, it's pretty funny that they are talking about Arby's right now and we're in the drive-thru. I wonder what they're ordering. Cracked me up, cracked me up figuring you guys would get a good laugh. Thanks for what you do. Yes, I like that. Now I want Arby's. Thank you. Do they still have Arby's near your office? I don't think I've ever eaten at Arby's in my life. <laughs> oh, beef and cheddar. Though they're like I could eat ten of them. Yeah, they're delicious and they're very light, and they remind me of fantasy football now. So thank you, Christopher, for that. Okay, your news and notes. New England released Cam Newton. Jamie and I did a bonus podcast on this on Tuesday. Heath, you want to give your reaction here? Jacoby Myers, the tight ends, the running backs, whatever. Slight boost for Jacoby Myers. Slight boost for Damian Harris. Slight boost for James White. Slight boost for the tight ends. Um. Harris is the only one I'm drafting as a like a top 24, and he is right in that Gus Edwards range for me. John is a borderline number one tight end. I can't decide if I actually want to put him inside my top 12, but uh, I think there's a better chance now that one of the Patriots tight ends will be good. And I moved Nelson Aguilar into my top 150. Okay, I thought this was interesting last year for James White. He the first five games of the season, I think Jacoby Myers either did not play or played fewer than 10% or fewer of the snaps, basically completely uninvolved. Uh, then once Myers started playing, James White averaged 3.8 targets and 2.8 catches per game. I really don't know that this matters, but I just want you to know I did the, I did the research. <laughs> this is what I, I think that's, you know, Cam just doesn't <laughs> have that in him to yeah, do that right. consistently. I know he did it with McCaffrey, but it's it's different. Yeah, and he loved Myers. He threw to him all the time. Okay, uh, Stefan Gilmore for the Patriots is going to start the season on the pup list. Anyone who starts on the pup list has to miss at least the first six weeks of the year. So that would be Michael Thomas as well. Meanwhile, the Saints could miss two home games due to Hurricane Ida. They might be playing in other stadiums. For I think one is definitely game. safe. The The second one's October 3rd, the Giants game. Okay. So if it's a month, it should, you know, conceivably be okay. Obviously, you know, they have bigger issues to deal with. And Michael Thomas is going to start the season on the pup list. And like he said earlier, you should have, be able to put pup players on the IR. And the earliest he could return is week seven. 
This is what Baltimore offensive coordinator Greg Roman said. Uh, he said about Gus Edwards, Gus, uh, he's our kind of guy. He's built for what we do. And he acknowledged that Edwards will have a bigger role. So when are we taking Gus Edwards? Let's have this discussion again. Heath? Uh, yeah, Non-PPR at the round three, four turn. Full PPR in the second half of round five. Jamie? Uh, I agree in non-PPR. I would take him as, as early as round four in PPR, though. Okay, Stephen Ross, according to Mike Florio, really wants Deshaun Watson. And then there was a report that Houston probably won't trade Deshaun Watson and that he will be inactive every week this season. They're prepared to make him inactive. You can't trade for him for what they're asking without knowing what his status is. That's the problem. And I guess there's some question about like whether the CBA will allow them to make him inactive every week without any reason. So that could get interesting. But why, though? They can make whoever they want yeah, inactive if they that. just don't want to play I th- them. I think it's um, there's something specifically in the CBA that says you can't use that as a form of discipline with that. It has to be like for you have to be able to justify it for like football reasons. Yeah, we don't want him to get hurt because we want to trade him. <laughs> yeah, and play, he doesn't play yeah. special teams. So just right. you know, make him an good point. Uh, Green Bay left tackle David Bakhtiari is going to begin the season on the pup list. So that's at least six weeks for their left tackle. <laughs> okay. Aaron Rodgers struggled without Bakhtiari last year. Listen to this. Four games in the regular season. Only 35 points against Houston. 27 against Minnesota. Only 36 against San Francisco. And only 33 fantasy points. He only threw 15 touchdowns in the four games that he played without left tackle David Bakhtiari last season. Go through those four games. Houston, bad defense. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Houston, Minnesota, San Francisco, Chicago in Week 17. He threw four touchdowns. Two postseason games, though, against the Rams and the Bucks. I think he scored 29 or more fantasy points in both of them. Uh, He'll be okay, but it's not good. Yeah, I, in all seriousness, I mean, they, they are going to have two rookies starting on their offensive line and no left tackle. No, Well, they, I think they'll start a left tackle, but no David Bakhtiari for the first at least the two spots games. where you'd like to have some security, left tackle and center, and they're both new. Washington released Peyton Barber. Someone told me to go add Justin Jefferson on Twitter. That was good. <laughs> the Saints released Devontae Freeman. Joe Judge did <clears throat> did not commit to Evan Ingram being ready for week one. Or Saquon Barkley. They're going to make a decision next week. Okay. I thought I saw another stinking... Uh, oh, Kenny Galladay practiced in individual drills for the first time since he got hurt. So, hooray. <laughs> Trey Lance is going to miss about a week with a chip in his finger. It's supposed to have a... Uh, hold on, wait, hold on. Supposed to have a uh, a chip on your shoulder. Okay. Minnesota acquired Chris Herndon from the Jets. Tight end Chris Herndon. It's time. It's finally time. And uh, Tyler Conklin returned to practice. Any interest in a Vikings tight end here? That's not Irv Smith. How about in our in our salary cap draft? Dave was down early to his dollar bids, so he was just trying to get anybody that he can get. You know that makes some sense. So he he picked up Irv Smith. And then the trade happened in the middle of the mock draft, or in the middle of the, the salary cap. And then uh, Tommy Tran, one of our hosts on CBS Sports, he took Chris Chris Herndon for a dollar also. I, I think the most interested I'm going to be in anyone involved in this situation is Tyler Croft. What, well, what about Tyler Conklin? I think I'm more interested in Tyler Croft than Tyler Conklin. Okay, so, so Tyler Conklin... The only way these guys are relevant is the first miss out for the season. Yeah, and this isn't going to hurt Herb Smith when he gets back, right? Chris Herndon? I mean, unless Herndon is that tight end we saw as a rookie, but if you're chasing that still, good luck to you. 
I was more worried. I, I don't know when they're doing the surgery. I was more worried this was representative of their fear that maybe Irv Smith wasn't coming back. I think they just probably wanted to get ahead on not having to go through a waiver process on Chris Herndon because he was going to get cut. Uh, Philadelphia waived Travis Fulgham, and Houston is going to go RBBC, running back by committee, which we pretty much already knew. So the, the other topic of they're going to go RBBS. Running back by... Sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Could have been a lot of things. Or whatever other S word you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's update our position previews. So as I, I build this earlier, Jamie, as you're walking down the street, someone recognizes you and says, hey, Jamie, you got two minutes? How do I draft quarterback? And I also want to know what has changed, if anything, since we did this preview several weeks ago, these position previews. We did them in early August. So let's start with, uh, with quarterback. Jamie, give me your overview on how to draft quarterback. I think if you're so inclined to buy into one of the top six guys, uh, you should make it a priority for yourself, but don't reach. So don't take Mahomes before round three. Don't take Josh Allen before round four. Don't take the other three guys that go after him in terms of Kyler and Dak and Jackson. Lamar, not in that order necessarily, before round five, and then Russell Wilson in round six. But I think after that, there's a big separation. Not a big separation. There's separation. So if, you, if you're going to look to buy into one of those guys, three through six is where I would start to consider it. And then I would almost just wait for the rest of the group, whoever you like best of Jalen Hurts or Tom Brady or Justin Herbert, and get them at a value. Uh, you can wait on Matthew Stafford. You can wait on Joe Burrow. Um, you should take a flyer if you take any of those guys on Trey Lance or Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence as well. Um, and if you completely miss and you want to pair one of those youngsters with a veteran, uh, Ben Roethlisberger would be my favorite option at the veteran spot. Okay, Heath, what do you think about quarterback? Hey, Heath, you got two minutes. I know you're walking to dinner with your family right now, but give me your QB <laughs> uh, man on the I street. I would say a lot of the same things that Jamie just said. It's still okay to wait on quarterback. Um, if I was pairing, and I made this choice last night, and I think I'll have to move them up in my rankings a little bit because of it, but if I'm pairing with somebody with the young quarterbacks, I think it's Kirk Cousins, just because I like his opening schedule quite a bit. I think he might have to throw a little bit. Um, but... Yes, you can still do that, but I wouldn't hesitate to take Patrick Mahomes in round three. I'm personally fine with Lamar in round four. I would just tell someone, you're probably not going to get Josh Allen if you're listening to my advice because he seems to go second, and he often goes around ahead of the rest of those guys. One of Dak or Russell Wilson almost always falls to round six in our leagues. Mm -hmm. Almost always goes sixth and around later than everybody else. I like that guy. Okay. Like whoever goes last amongst the Brady, Rogers, Tannehill, Hertz group. Yeah, her, and that's Hertz by far in ADP for us. Hertz is going 91st. Joe Burrow has has been a real faller during the draft process, but perhaps maybe a little bit too far. He's now going 107th I, in CBS. I almost put Burrow now, in that, and it's not. I don't know that there's any reason not to. I almost put Burrow in the same range as the Lawrence Fields Lance group. He, he's right ahead of that for me. He was always at the back end of the top 12 or 13 right. or however many guys you feel like are, are true QB1s this year. But has he gotten closer to the, to the you know, bench stashes? Let's see what we got here. Or, has he, or is he still part of the I'm comfortable with him as my first quarterback? I mean, so, uh, and, and we're in this league, so you guys can clearly steal whoever uh, I'm going to mention from me. But like Burrow is the only quarterback I drafted in our magazine league. 
and Fields is available. So I'm going to put in a claim for Fields to have both of them just to see how it plays out. But I would want to have a second quarterback with Burrow. I don't necessarily feel the same about the guys that I have ranked ahead of him. So Burrow's 13 for me. Um, I don't think it's a problem to, to you know to pair Stafford with somebody else or Hurts with somebody else or Tannehill or wherever you want to, however how, however high up you want to go. But I do think if you draft Burrow, you want to have a second quarterback. And, and so I, I wouldn't necessarily want to go with him by himself. And I think I've taken Jalen Hurts in almost every league I'm in so far. And uh, I also feel like with him, you want a second quarterback. For me, sometimes that is Burrow. Last night for the podcast league, it was Roethlisberger that I paired him with. Uh, and I think I'll just sum it up by saying this is kind of a weird year in that it looks like you should probably get a top 12. You should try to get a top 12 quarterback. It just seems like 12 happens to be the number in a group, you know. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I know, obviously. You yeah, I, I do think, though, that, you know, year. we're going to get to the middle of the season and we're going to probably revisit this conversation. Why didn't we draft? Trey Lance higher or Justin Fields higher because of what they're capable of doing. But I think it's also beyond those guys. It is the veterans. Like Keith says, cousins, I say Roethlisberger, throw Jameis in there now because of his ability to hopefully, you know, do some great things in the Saints offense. Matt Ryan still has two very good weapons at his disposal and may have to throw a ton as well. You know, so there are some guys still that you can look at and say, I don't necessarily have to wait on uh, Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr or those guys, you know, that it's not waiting for them. Yeah. It's more looking at it as there are still some good veterans. And I wouldn't be surprised if middle of the season, Mac Jones maybe is a streamer. Uh, Zach Wilson maybe is a streamer, you know, because of what those teams, what those yeah, guys have to no, do. No, I know. And, and there's matchups, but that's going to happen in any position. But I just, I just thought it was interesting that it just seems like there are 12 this year on the nose that feel like there I'd are. I'd say there's 13 because I still think Burrow is, is towing the line enough. Yeah. Right, 12, I just think you, you get one of those 12 or you plan on taking one of the young guys and a veteran. Okay. There you go. And I'm fine with that. I did what I did last night. Thanks, Heath. Hey, appreciate your time, man. Uh, thanks it for was those. way more than two minutes. <laughs> Please don't bother me on the street again. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll find out how Jamie and Heath are approaching running back this year and who they are frequently drafting. Well, if quarterback went quick, running back. Yeah, running back will be, be easy, back. right? Okay. Uh, running backs right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time to talk running backs. Heath, give me the quick overview on how to draft running backs. There's actually only nine running backs that I feel really good about as my number one running back. And I think they should all go in the first 12 to 13 picks. And then there's a little break amongst wide receivers. And then there's another, you know, I think 12-ish running backs that you feel good about as number twos. And then you get into that range in the fourth, fifth round where you have to decide who am I comfortable with amongst Miles Gaskin, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, that whole large group of borderline number twos. There's a lot of those guys this year. Uh, I do think unless you're picking in the last three picks and you have the ability to start with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams and Travis Kelsey, this is a good year to get at least one running back early. And then there are a lot of running backs after round six that have a combination of either upside or floor. I, I like to pair like a Javante Williams with a James White or Giovanni Bernard. Um, you could do the same thing with Trey Sermon or Michael Carter. 
So that part's not that much different. There's also maybe an increase of guys that were in that Latavius Murray-ish role last year where they may have flex appeal when the starter's healthy, and then they have big-time upside if the starter gets hurt. A.J. Dillon, probably the most, other than Kareem Hunt, who's in a different range. But A.J. Dillon's probably the highest upside of that group. Yeah, and we've talked about also in a full PPR league, the pass-catching running backs just seem to be completely overlooked. So if you just need someone to plug in to get you 10-ish points, James White, uh, Giovanni Bernard, maybe Naeem Hines. There are, there are a few of them. McKissick. And McKissick, thank you. I know I was forgetting someone. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts on running back? If I have a pick in the first five spots, I'm taking a running back. You know the five names. I'm more inclined to go receiver on the way back, uh, similar to what you did in the podcast league, because I think once you get to the back end of the second round and you've now passed, unless they fall, but the uh, the Gibson, Mixon, Chubb, um, Najee Harris group, because I think that's where the cutoff is, then it's in your best interest to take two receivers there and, and wait out the running back group in that rounds four through six range. If I'm picking at the back end of the first round, I'm more inclined to go running back, running back, because I could probably get two of those guys and the receiver uh, depth that's still going to be there in rounds three, four, and five, you can still get three very good ones, uh, three potential top 24 receivers as well. So middle is kind of, you know, the, the iffy spot, you know, if you're in picks six through, you know, eight or nine. Um, where you can consider Devontae Adams, obviously Travis Kelsey, then it kind of changes things. I probably go one of those guys in a running back in round two. But if I'm picking early, I'm, I'm looking running back, receiver, receiver. If I'm picking late, I'm looking running back, running back. Okay. And honestly, I think we spent so much time talking about the RB dead zone that uh, that probably answers some questions. So that's good, good strategies to start your teams. Okay. Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Heath, what do you got? There are two first-round wide receivers in Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill. There's a handful of guys you could take in the second round. Then really the three, four, five range is where there's just a bunch of low-end number one, high-end number two wide receivers to feast on. And that's where the whole idea of the running back dead zone came from because wide receivers in that three through five range have been so productive. But it doesn't stop there. It's still very, very deep. I think the thing I would say, if if you want to load up on running back, tight end, and quarterback, you can do that as long as you get one wide receiver. It's very hard in round five or six or later to find a guy that you can actually believe could be a number one wide receiver, but you can go all the way to round 10 and find guys that you can believe could be number two wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So get at least one wide receiver. I'm happy with four or five of them the first six rounds if you can start that many in a PPR league, but get at least one for sure. Jamie, wide receiver. Yeah, very similar to what Heath said. You know, I, I don't think you have to reach at that position. You know, it, it depends on your comfort level. You know, if you if you want to come out of your first two rounds with one of the, you know, maybe not the first two rounds, but maybe the first 30 picks, 30 overall picks of, you know, the the upper echelon guys, like Heath mentioned, Adams and and, and Tyreek, the next group, which I think is, is fairly awesome, of uh, Ridley and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, that group of, of guys. Um, the next group, though, is just so robust where this is where I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of fun drafting wide receivers, you know, with Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen to the next group of Robert Woods and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett. You know, you throw all those names in there, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, the Bucks guys. I mean, we could go on and on. Then the next group, which is, you know, Jerry, Judy, Brandon, Ayuk, this, the other Steelers guys, um, Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd, you know, the Bengals guys, I, I guess, Gerald. like you just, it, it's kind of like, you, you know, you're going down a, a, 
a sliding scale that, you know, H plateau is, is, is very good players. And like he said, you know, now we have Jacoby Myers and Marcus Calloway and, and the Jets guys and uh, Marquise Brown. And, you know, these guys that are still sitting there at the bottom, Michael Pittman, all these, all these pretty solid wide receivers that uh, can still jump up a couple of spots, a couple of levels, but they may not be, you know, top 10 caliber players unless things just work out the right way. So this is why you don't have to reach at the receiver spot. You know, it's uh it's nice to have Adams and Hill. Uh, it's nice to have Ridley and Brown. It's nice to have all those guys that are ranked at the top, but you still have a pretty good receiving core if you, uh, if you bind at the right time. And because, I, because, you know, what I keep saying about the, the talent being so bunched together on same NFL teams with Dallas and with Tampa Bay and with uh, Cincinnati and with Pittsburgh in particular, I do feel like I really don't want to pass up a, a round two wide receiver or maybe if I have an early pick, an early round three wide receiver. But I guess a top 12 guy, wherever wherever McLaurin and Allen Robbins, wherever McLaurin is for you guys, um, or wherever he is in ADP. Mid-round three. Yeah, mid-round three. So if I, that means if I have a late round three pick, I'm not going to get Terry McLaurin. And if I don't go wide receiver with my round one or two pick... Well, then, and that's the ideal spot to take at least one. It's so like yeah, that's what almost I would do. always Adams, Tyreek, or Diggs, or Hopkins is there at one of those two picks. But let me let me ask you this, Adam, because you keep bringing this up, um, and it's it's certainly valid and and makes a ton of sense. But would it shock you tremendously if, with what the Bills did, if Gabriel Davis is better and the addition of Emmanuel Sanders? I know that they're in so different parts of their careers that we haven't seen Davis do anything amazing consistently yet, and Sanders seems like he's you know, aging, but with Beasley there, that if it if those guys just take away from Diggs, where it's like the same situation of the Steelers guys negating themselves, or in the case of, um, in the case of, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Hopkins, you know, Hopkins, I'm actually avoiding for exactly uh, that was the one I would say. Hopkins, for exactly you know, Rondell Moore and, and and AJ Green, you know, with yeah. with those guys spreading the ball. Around. Like, you, I know you keep bringing this up, but you know, should it be more of a concern for those guys as well? You know, and and not that's the same, but you know. Devontae Adams with what the reports are on Valdez Scantling and stupid Randall Cobb coming back and, you know, Amari Rogers being there, you know, like those guys getting more opportunities, you know, like we we're so used to these guys dominating targets. Maybe they don't. I don't have that concern with Adams and Diggs. I do have a little I, bit. I, I, and I don't think people should, yeah. but it's just worth, you know, mentioning if you're going to keep. Right. There are no sure things. And, and that's the thing with the running backs too. I mean, there's, there's no sure things with, with Joe Mixon or Antonio Gibson or Najee Harris or Saquon Barkley and whatnot. Um, so I, I like if I have a late pick, I like starting running back receiver, but I do not want my philosophy to be the official philosophy of philosophy of this podcast. So please disagree with me all you want. I, I, well, want I think he probably shares that philosophy, right? You'd like to go run running back one receiver, depending on the start, whichever position. Yeah, I'm, I'm more open to going with two wide receivers than Adam is. But yeah, I definitely would like I, I agree. I'd like to get one of those top 12 wide receivers. I think it's just really, really hard to find a top 12 wide receiver later in the draft or off the waiver wire. Yeah, the, the, the thing that I like to do, like I said, when I'm picking at the back end of the first round is I don't mind if my first two receivers are Tyler Lockett and Cooper Cup if I started with Gibson and Harris. You know, so if, if those are my first two picks or Jonathan Taylor and, and hey, Jamie, if I can get Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris I can't sit there. I can't promise you that I'm taking Calvin Ridley or Stefan Diggs over that start. I, but, but I'm saying that's I'd the decision so ex- people have to make. Yeah, I'd be very excited about it. I don't know that there's a right or a wrong decision. Um, well, you got to be comfortable with C.D. Lamb and, you know, Cooper Cup as your top receivers. If I'm in a two-receiver like, league, then I'm much more likely to go running back, running back there. But if I'm in a three-receiver league, which we typically are, that also has a flex, 
I would like to lock in a top a top five. The, see, the problem is, like I said, you you run out of the top twelve by the middle of round three. So that's you're just so in such a better spot well, if you have a top but, five. Yeah, I think like what he said before though that there's like more of a top nine as opposed to a top twelve. Well, okay. So then tell me if you disagree with this. So Adams Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, Ridley, that's five. Metcalf, Jefferson, Keenan Allen, that's eight. AJ Brown, McLaurin, that's ten. Yeah, I guess it's ten. Did you so, say Robinson? I did not because I don't view him as having the same okay, type that's, of that's upside. Still, he's in that group. Okay, then eleven. And he's going fortieth overall. McLaurin's going thirty-fifth overall. Everyone else is top thirty-two. So, like I said on yesterday's show, if I really felt like I could get Terry McLaurin late in the third round in a three-receiver league, then I'd probably go running back, running back. I can't advise that. I think it's too risky to bank on him getting there. Um, well, I just don't... I, I think that there's a much bigger difference for you between Terry McLaurin and Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup than there maybe is for me. True, right. So you're you're more comfortable... Right, with those guys there. Yeah, yeah, right. and and for me, it's you know Robert Woods and and Cup and Lockett and CD Lamb. And I like those guys there too, but I'd be thrilled if they were my second wide receiver. If they were my first wide receiver, <laughs> I know I'm not gonna like do. I'm not gonna do backflips, but obviously I'll have a better running back. Right, but then you you lose the opportunity of a better second running back. Yeah, of because course. Because then you're you know reaching for Devontae Woods. Of course. <laughs> well, you know I do that. All right, uh, Jamie, give me your tight end strategy. Uh, take one of the top six. Otherwise, close your eyes and, you know, try and figure it out as best you can. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a sliding scale. Kelsey in round one. Waller and Kittle in the 2-3 range. Um, the next three guys are going to be so all over the place for whoever you're asking. You know, for me, it's it's Andrews, then Hawkinson, then, then Pitts. But that's not ADP. It's typically, Andrews, Pitts in some order. And then Hawkinson's the third guy. Um but after those after those six, it's such a gamble. You know, like I like Logan Thomas. Uh, Dave's going to tell you probably Johnny Smith. Heath will tell you Noah Fant. You know, there's there's a different guy for all of us. I think in in that range, uh, I think we all like those guys respectively. But it's it's just a tough proposition. You know, I, I had this decision to make in the uh, in the podcast league. You know, with Todd Rohn, so we shared the team with, and it was round four, I think it was, um, to take either Josh Allen, Kyle Pitts, or Mike Davis, and for the first time, I was leaning Pitts. At that point, Hawkinson and and Andrews were gone, um, and you know we thought, okay, let's get the running back instead, and and we ended up with Gronk. So that tells you where you you know fall to. Now Gronk could still be very good, but Mike Davis and Gronk versus you know we ended up with Kareem Hunt. We could have had Kareem Hunt as our RB two with uh, with Pitts at tight end. That could be a little bit better in a PPR. Yeah, and like half, I think three of my last six drafts I've missed. And I would, like Jamie said, top six, I'm okay in full PPR with Fant or Goddard as well. I feel feel pretty solid that I didn't get a good tight end, but I've got a starting tight end. You still feel good about Goddard, though? No, I, I'm sorry. I meant Fant and Logan Thomas. I, meant, okay. I was going to say Goddard because I've drafted Dallas Goddard in the yeah. 12th-ish round in three of my last six drafts because I missed that first eight. And I would just say it's it's really, really, I feel important to not miss that, whether it's six or it's seven or it's eight. Like, find out how many guys after that top six that you feel good about or even okay about as your starting tight end. And don't miss that group because then we're just throwing darts. And streaming tight end, 
I write about streamers every year. That's the worst pitch position to try to do it because you're just trying to guess who's going to score a touchdown this week. I want to talk about something here. I want to go back and and uh, not necessarily correct myself, but clarify something here. So thank you for your tight end thoughts. I want to go back to running back. Versus you weren't running. listening to them. You have no idea what we said. No, you said find your something, something, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is really important to note that that depending that if you're not in an analyst draft and you're looking at the 60th overall pick, so if you had the 12th pick, or let's say you had picks 10 through 12, and you're looking at your fifth round pick, the end of round five, there is a good chance that even a Miles Gaskin or a Mike Davis, Chase Edmonds, obviously Javante Williams will be there, Damian Harris, Raheem Mostert, maybe Daryl Henderson. A lot of those guys, I don't know about all, but a lot of them may be available. So that is big because, I, as I said, I did the draft today on Fantasy Pros, and they were all gone by, by that point, I'm pretty sure. But that's not typical. So I'm looking at ESPN and Yahoo ADP. I'm looking at our ADP. It does seem like if you have a late pick in round one in a 12-team league, by the time you get to your fifth pick, you're going to have a decent group of running backs to choose from there. So I guess what I what my point would be then is if I go running back wide receiver, I do not feel the need to take a running back in round three or four. I feel very comfortable going running back in round one, receiver in round two, receiver, receiver, and then getting my RB two and maybe and even a third wide running back in rounds five and six. Now is that that right there, like that approach, is where you've gotten to the point of oh crap. I've just drafted Dallas Goddard in round 12 and he's my only tight end or John O. Smith or whoever, because if you do that, then you're at the end of rounds. I mean, you might be able to get Noah Fanter or if you like them, but that's kind of ruling out the tight ends. If you go with that approach. Yeah. Then fine. Then, then you could take Hawkinson instead of a third running back. Or you could take a, well, I, I think you'd be reaching a little bit for Andrews or Pitts at the three, four turn. I wouldn't do that, but some people would, um, but yeah, you don't have you don't have to go three running and maybe you know what maybe I take Russell Wilson instead of a third running back or something. But you're right if you if you aren't lucky enough to have Hawkinson available to you at 60th overall ADP says you would be, then you can't get a top six tight end with that strategy. You are right. Uh, I think you're probably better off getting a top six tight end, or at least getting a top five tight end if you're not a Hawkinson guy with a top with one of the first five picks without feeling like you're reaching. You know. I I don't this is going to sound crazy. I think it might be more important to me to get a top 6 tight end than a number 2 running back. No, it's not crazy. It's not crazy, you know. And like Adam, I've had this conversation with you several times. Like I I think you tend to panic a little bit on that second running back as opposed to building toward your strength. Like you but did that in the podcast. But it's already my strength. That's the thing. It's like you want me to take my strength and make it even stronger. And just yes. keep neglecting running backs, yes. and I don't think no, that's you're not what neglecting I do. running back. I am neglecting. If you, no, but like in that in that draft last night, you did this with the other team too, where like you're taking Javante Williams, who may not be the guy early in the season, and you could take another player that is in a similar standing, maybe not with the same upside as Javante Williams, but your other positions on your team are stronger. So like last night, for example, you could have taken T.J. Hawkinson and that and Dak Prescott, yeah, along yes. with Christian McCaffrey, Justin Jefferson, and A.J. Brown. And you have such a stranglehold on so many good positions there that Javante Williams may be amazing, but you had an opportunity, the way that the draft felt to you, how you built your team, to just add to what is a better situation, I think, for your, your team overall. 
Yeah, and you I ruined mean, it's a just, joke because I was actually going to start cussing in the chat and say that I quit the league. If I took, I thought you were going to take Hawkinson and Dak Prescott <laughs> because if you had Hawkinson and Dak Prescott and two top ten wide receivers and Christian McCaffrey, like seriously, okay. First now, of Hertz all, maybe maybe on the level of those guys. Fourteen team league, yeah, fourteen team league, and I ended up with Jalen Hurts. So and Ben Roethlisberger as a backup. So if Hurts is good, it's not like I'm bad at quarterback, and. My opinion in a deep league is that running back depth is almost like quarterback depth in a 2QB league. It is so hard to get. They are the most valuable trade chips. But you could have just thrown a lot of capital then at, at that spot. How? I No, I really couldn't because— You didn't get running back depth. You took two running backs in your first eight picks. I know I didn't, but imagine how bad my running backs would be if I didn't have Javante Williams. You would, instead of taking the two quarterbacks, you could have taken two running backs with those spots. No, Ben I, Roethlisberger I is one of my last is, picks. Like, you, I, I don't necessarily disagree. Running back depth is more important in a fourteen-team league, but at that point, I think you'd already decided, or like correctly, you were not going to have running back depth. Okay, fine, but I still need a starter. And yes, I got James White later, but. I, I mean, no, look, Jamie and I disagree on this, and that is fine. Uh, if I go with, like, a hero RB, because I went McCaffrey, Jefferson, Brown, Jefferson and Brown at 28 and 29 overall, that's terrific. Uh, I'm not just going to play into it and just neglect running backs. I mean, I really love Javante Williams. I think that pick is going to pay off, and I also believe that we. I say this on the air, so why not stick to it? In a 14-team league, Take advantage of the depth at quarterback and focus more on the shallower positions, and that's what I did by taking Javante Williams over Dak Prescott and still ending up with Jalen Hurts, who I like a lot. I don't regret it, but I totally get what you're saying. It would have been very fun. If I didn't take Williams, I probably would have taken Dak because I would have... I like to have had a that very realistic lineup. chance that you're starting James White week one over... Abs- I, oh, oh I am. I absolutely am. <laughs> but he's part of my draft strategy. I, he, he's part of my draft strategy, and I felt like my team was strong enough at that point where where I could have James White as my RB two. And be okay I agree with that. that your team was strong enough that you could have our James White as your RB two. But I still need another <laughs> RB. But, but but would you have preferred Jalen Hurts with James White or Dak Prescott with James White? I would have preferred Jalen Hurts and Javante Williams with James White. Let me see with the running backs that were available when I took Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jamal. No, Williams. no, no. You go to the next round because what would you have done there? Because then then you really have to start looking at running backs. There. Why would I go to the next round? When because I, you would have passed on Javante Williams. You would have taken Dak Prescott and Hawkinson. And then what would you have done to the next turn? Oh, he took Hurts and Smith yeah, yeah. in the next round. Right. I took Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith at the next turn. I took Hawkinson and and I took Hawkinson. No, I know. I didn't realize that that, that you took Hurts and, and Smith the next turn. So what would you have done there? I would have t- probably taken Javante, uh, Devontae Williams and... I, Jamal Williams. It, no, I would not have taken Jamal Williams. I would have taken James White, who I got 28 picks later. Or Zach Moss or something like that. Or another... I wouldn't have liked any of... Uh, maybe Giovanni Bernard. I didn't like any of the running backs there. I, I got lucky that I got James White because Naeem Hines and J.D. McKissick went ahead of him. And I like him basically at the top of the group, tied with Gio. So I got lucky in that regard. But I can't... I cannot have a 14-team league with bad running backs. I just can't do it. But you do. Well, you had <laughs> no, Christian McCaffrey. There was, no, there was no chance you were going to have bad running backs. Right. <laughs> that had already been determined. Uh, I mean, like I said, deep, deep league, take advantage of the depth at quarterback. That's what I decided to do. If a 12-team league, I think I, I agree with you, Jamie. I would have gone Dak. 
I think I told you that. Well, I, I mean, we did our pick by pick draft and people thought I made this team up uh, from number one overall because I did a very similar thing that you did. Uh, <laughs> I ended up with McCaffrey, Metcalf and Jefferson. And then in round four, I took uh, Josh Allen. Now it's different, obviously, because the running back situation was better. So I have Gus Edwards and Raheem Mostert on top of that. Oh. Um, but I, I, I posted a poll like, what do you think of this team? And somebody goes, this is so annoying. This would never happen. And I was like, you'll, you'll see. Wait, who was your, who who your round uh, five pick? You took right. Josh Allen and then who? I think I went. Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards. Oh, yeah, Gus I'm looking Edwards. at it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, hey, it's easier in a 12-team league, huh? It's much easier in a 12-team <laughs> league. But again, Josh Allen was sitting there, and I wasn't going to pass him up. Adam, I'm disappointed in you. Well, come on. All you, all, no, because what you, all you had to say to Jamie was, why didn't you lean into it? <laughs> Take wide receivers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just wish Gus Edwards had been there instead of Javante Williams. Right. You know? I, I got to run. All right. Yeah, me too. Um, thanks. Uh, actually, Jamie, you have FFT and five on your schedule. So uh, uh, You're going to have to wait till later, my friend. Uh, Heath, please step up and do FFT and five. All right. We'll, talk to, we'll talk to you later, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we got a live mock draft on Friday, and we have bold predictions on Thursday. Remember, we'll see you for the uh, Draftathon tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern at CBS Sports HQ and YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. Bye.